Psalms chapter 6. I had a dear brother in the church, I won't mention his name, but um, he had asked me last week about a book list, just some good books to read, and I, I gave a partial book list for, during the personal growth class, but um, if you'd be interested in some recommended reading, just I'd be more than happy to give you my recommendations, it's just stuff that has blessed me. I did tell him, I said, if, if you could be specific and give me topics, that could narrow it down to one piece of paper. So, like, I, but I, I, I love the fact that he was interested. I made a list of uh, topics like books on the Holy Spirit, books on prayer, books on the church, uh, books on spiritual warfare, books on marriage, books on books for men, books for women, books on biographies, and just a whole list of things. And I thought, well, eventually I'll fill that in. Um, but it, again, if that interests you, let me know. I'd be more than happy to do that. I think it's very important that we keep ourselves stirred up. I love to read biographies. Uh, I can get caught up in reading a good biography and neglect everything else. And so, and I've really tried to make myself, uh, believe it or not, Read some old classics. There's a reason they're called classics. And they're not easy. Uh, I think it was uh, probably two years ago, I finally finished A Tale of Two Cities. My daughter had to help me out with that. She gave me the Cliff Notes version so I could at least see it. And uh, by the time I got to the end, I was very glad I read it. But anyways, uh, we need to continue to stir ourselves up. There's a lot of good devotionals out there, a lot of good commentaries. If there's a book of the Bible that interests you, that you'd like some more resources on, I'd be more than happy to share with you. Obviously, don't let any of these books neglect the book. Don't do that. This is the book. Okay, so I like to put it like this. This is fresh fruit. Everything else is canned. So, all right, here we go. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. But, all kidding aside, uh, it is good to get other people's perspective on passages and things like that. And sometimes it can really bring a lot of light to your own understanding. And the Lord does use those. If you're able to stand, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. And I've battled back and forth on the title to this sermon so I'll give them both to you, and, and then maybe at the end we can figure out which one really works best. First of all, I had typed out grace in action. That's short and sweet. But the other one, the am I spiritual test. That's a title. The am I spiritual test. So anyways... Verse, you'll, you'll get it. Verses 1 through 5. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye, which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For years that had been my go-to passage. I still love it. Verse 5, for every man shall bear his own burden. Let me pray with you. Father, we love you, and here we are, assembled around your word. We've read five passages of scripture, and there is so much here. May the Holy Ghost shed light and may our time uh, be honored. May we redeem the time. Help me to say that which is most necessary. And Lord, help us to hear. Help us to follow your leadership. May the study of this passage make us better Christians. Cause us to evaluate our own hearts. And inevitably bring glory to you and point others to Christ. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So thus far, chapters 1 through 5, the Apostle Paul has accomplished this. He, is, he has made it very clear that salvation is by what? Grace. It's by grace. Which means it's not of, it's not of works. He's, he's given a lot of illustration concerning that. And then back in chapter 5, he talks about the distinction of being led by the flesh and led by the Spirit. Those that are saved by grace have the Spirit of God in them. And as we, what it, what it means to, I want to say, point this out because I did not really emphasize this last week. Verse uh, 18, look at chapter 5, verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. I don't want you to think that that implies works. Well, if you're not led of the Spirit, see, you're going to be condemned. What it means is to be led by the Spirit. The very first step of following the Spirit is the entrance of grace. You're not even led by the Spirit if you don't understand. You can't live the Christian life good, well enough to earn your way to heaven. And therefore, you must trust in God's grace. That is the very first step. If you get on board there, it's a piece of cake. He accepts us. Can we fall? Yeah. Will we fall? I reckon most of us could probably say we have. But you get back up and you keep going. And so that's what that's talking about there, being led by the Spirit, being led by the understanding that it's not by works of righteousness, which I've done, but according to his mercy. And I follow him because of his love and his mercy and that. And so then we come into, so we learn about the difference between the flesh and the spirit. And the fact of the matter is, at verse 15 of chapter 5, take a look at that. Verse 15, chapter 5. But if you bite and devour, we're looking at Christian cannibalism here. Uh, but if you bite and devour one another and take heed that you be not consumed one of another, that's that happens when you start thinking it's all up to you, when you're living in the flesh. We get self-righteous, and we get super defensive, and, or we get aggressive, and, and we don't worry about the feelings of other people. And then he concludes, look at verse 26 of chapter 5. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, 
provoking one another, envying one another. There's, a, there's an effect that the work of grace has on us in regards to the, our relationships with people. A positive effect. Are you hearing me? And now he goes on into chapter 6, and it's not like Paul said, chapter 6. Paul didn't do that. All right, the chapter breakup came in later, but I'm thankful it's there, or some of us would still be looking for passages of Scripture in our Bible. And so, but we come into this, and it's, Paul continues on, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. I'm going to go through this kind of verse by verse, because there are five verses, and there's so much content here. The first thing I'd say is this. Brethren will be overtaken in a fault. You will see brethren overtaken in a fault. You will be mindful of brethren being overtaken in a fault. You may be one who is overtaken in a fault. That is going to happen. You live long enough, you're going to see it and see it a lot. Doesn't mean they're not saved, it doesn't mean they're not God's child, it doesn't mean that they, they won't recover. It just means they've been overtaken. They've lost their testimony. And so Paul is letting us know there is a proper protocol in restoring people. And those who are led by his spirit, those who are saved by grace and led by his spirit are more apt to help people taking in a fault, taking, that are overtaken in a fault, than those who are led in the flesh, led by the flesh. Our response to a brother or sister, you find, so, so, little scenario, oh, you, on, on the social media hotline, you discover that so-and-so is drinking something, or they've said something, or they've done something, that you cannot believe they did this, and, and then they, you see them in church. It's like, whoa, what do I do here? This is awkward. It's a, it is awkward. Why do people put stuff on social media thinking nobody's going to see it at church? I don't know. But that proves the point. Carnally minded people are not smart. Hello? That just, just proves the point. Our response, our response to the brother that is overtaken in a fault reveals much about our personal experience with grace. Did you hear me? Our response to a brother or sister that has been overtaken in a fault, our response our, reveals much about our own personal experience with grace. It reveals whether we are Spiritual or not. And it is possible to think you're spiritual and not be. First John chapter 1, verse 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. It's possible to say you are, and then the proof is you're not. And so there is a litmus test here. Notice the means by which we can restore them. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of pride and self-righteousness. Because you have knowledge. No. 
I'm using my King James Bible, it doesn't say that. Uh, you might find that in some of the other versions, but you won't find that in this Bible. In meekness, the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now, what is the spirit of meekness? The spirit of meekness is humility under control. It is not weakness, but it is humility. It is an awareness of your own weakness. All right. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 through 27. If you have a pen and would like to write this next to that passage or write it on some notes, it'd be worth writing down. Because Paul gives this advice to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 through, I believe it's 27, it might be 26. He says, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, there it is, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance unto the acknowledgement of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. So what Paul's telling Timothy is, there are cases where people are ensnared by the devil, and until God gives them light, and they come to this place of repentance themselves, they're not going to get right. But don't you mess it up by being proud and self-righteous. You instruct them in meekness. So we're going to get into that a little bit more as we go here. There's another passage that comes to mind. James chapter 3. And I cannot think of the exact verse. I know it talks about the wisdom that is from above. I think it's verse 18. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. Without partiality, without hypocrisy. Something like that. Huh? It's verse 17? I knew it was there. Um, but James even says... There's a distinction between wisdom from above and wisdom that is from the earth. And James uses that term wisdom from above, but we could also term it being spiritually minded, being meek, not being difficult to approach. Do you realize we can speak with our face? And I think part of the spirit of meekness is knowing how to speak with your face the right way. I realize some of us might need to practice. Your spouse will let you know. My wife says, honey, get your eyebrow down. Get your eyebrow down. I don't know my eyebrows up. It's a natural default, you know. <clears throat> so anyways... We must remember that if, that when we consider a brother that has been in a fault or that has been overtaken in a fault, that could be us. And in some cases, it probably was us. 
Are you hearing me? See, that spirit of meekness reminds us of what we're made of and how vulnerable we are. And the fact of the matter is, maybe we were in that situation at one time, or at least we understand I, that could be me. But by the grace of God. And if I don't do that, if I don't have that spirit of meekness, well, what's the issue here? He says, lest thou also be tempted. If I don't have the spirit of meekness, remember a uh, few weeks ago I mentioned this, pride. If you don't have the spirit of meekness, then obviously you're walking in the spirit of pride. And the spirit of pride, you know what that, that is? That is on the devil's menu all the time. That makes us vulnerable. Almost every case where we find the devil invading somebody's thought life, it's because of pride. I realize, I realize he can take advantage of inordinate emotions as well. But often, it was because of pride. When Ananias and Sapphira, why has Satan filled thine heart? David, why'd you count the people of Israel? Well, the Bible says Satan tempted him, provoked him. Well, he found something in him that pride. There was no other reason to do that. We move on here. Notice what it doesn't say. That's worth looking at, the angle of verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Well, what is that not saying? Well, it's not saying that we are to enable them in their sin. You know, he just keeps, he just don't have any money. He's, he's just hungry. He, all he's asking for is another $10 bill or another $20 bill or another $100 bill. That's all he's asking for. It's just one more time. Just, just one more time. And eventually that one more time makes you bankrupt. Eventually that one more time begins to affect your financial situation and your relationship with other people. I'm talking from experience here. I, that, listen, I'm not opposed to helping people out financially. I think we ought to. But if it's a continual thing, then we've got to ask ourselves, am I enabling them? Hello? Am I really helping them? They don't seem to be using it to pay bills or to buy food. Come on now. I mean, it'd be one thing to say, let me take you out to dinner. It'd be one thing to say, well, let's find out what the light bill is and all that. And listen, I know, I know it's always people we love. It is. Because they're the ones that can take advantage. They, they got a heart string. But how can I help them? I, I got to help them in the spirit of meekness, but I've got to be careful that I don't enable bad behavior. Sometimes the system has to run its course. Sometimes jail time is what it takes. Sometimes they've got to hit rock bottom. Hey, listen, until they get to the place where they say, you know what, I need the Jesus that you need. I mean, that's where we want them. We can't make them get there. We love them. We we try to talk to them. And uh, we help them in ways that are not going to uh, enable bad behavior. But that passage, when it says, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, it's not saying, dole it all out. 
I know I'm telling the truth whether you give me an amen or not. It does help, though. I get my feelings hurt easy. It also doesn't say we're to be looking to find fault. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, look for that fault. Keep your eyes open. Eventually you're going to find them. That's a terrible attitude. We're going to find enough accidentally. We don't need to be looking for it. The reality is, if you're looking for it, you will find it. Matter of fact, you'll probably find it in places it's not even there. I'll give you a case. The Bible tells us about the Pharisees in regards to their view of Jesus. It says they found fault. Now, was it legitimate? No. But it says they found fault. It's in Mark. I get your old concordance out and you can look it up. I'm not going to go digging through, pulling it out. They found fault. How on earth do you find fault with Jesus? Well, you've got to be blinded to a whole lot of things, first of all, and you've got to listen to a bunch of lies. Hello? But if you want to find fault, you're going to find fault, whether it's true or whether it's false. Self-awareness is required. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. Ye which are spiritual. The Galatians would read this letter, and they'd listen. And, ye which are spiritual. Well, who's that? Are you spiritual? Well, then if so, if you claim to be spiritual, then there is a right way to recover a man from his error. If you are spiritual, you won't have a problem with the spirit of meekness. That's for sure. We can conclude that, right? If you are spiritual, you will not have a problem with the spirit of meekness. You will not be the fault finder And you're not looking to enable bad behavior if you are spiritual. I mean, obviously, Christ was the best example of all time. I mean, here's a woman that gets thrown at his feet who was caught in the act of adultery. I mean, she was caught guilty. She didn't get in his presence because she was repentant. She was there because she got caught. Hear me out, John chapter 8. Uh-oh, what's going to go on now? He knows she's guilty. The men who drug her out of the house know she's guilty. They know what the law says. And they try to test the Lord Jesus, and they say, well, the law says she's supposed to be stoned to death. Jesus gave them all the silent treatment. I love the story. You love the story. Gives them all the silent treatment. It finally gets so quiet. Everybody's all ears now, and Jesus looks up, and I, I bet he looked up, and he didn't even have to say it very loud. He said, uh, you that are without sin, cast the first stone. Everybody heard it, but the accusers, all that sunk in, and the crowd looked at them, because now now it's on the crowd. Because if one of them picks up a stone, then guess what? The crowd's going to think, you're without sin? Are you hearing me? This Pharisee reaches down and he realizes, I better not pick up a stone. They're going to think I, I think I'm perfect. Got you. And they all walked away, condemned by their own conscience. It's still quiet. The woman's there in tears. And the Lord now gets her attention. And, oh, you know the story. Neither do I condemn thee. 
Well, first of all, he says, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone, Lord. He says, neither do I condemn thee. The only one that had the right to throw a stone said, neither do I condemn thee. The only one had the right to execute, to be judge and jury, was there, and he says, neither do I condemn thee. Why? Because he is mercy incarnate. Now, was he enabling her? No, because if you listen to the whole story, if you read the whole chapter, if you read the whole text, he says, go away and sin no more. So, self-awareness is required if we're going to be spiritual. Uh, hmm. But this all ties together. I know Schofield's got it broke up, but I, it ties together. Verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Is that a whole totally different uh, subject now? You think he's just, well, let's move on to something else now. It's connected, ladies and gentlemen. It's connected because guess what? Restoring somebody, a brother who's been, somebody who's been overtaken in a fault can be burden-bearing. We move on. Verse 2 through 3. So verse 1, I, have the, I actually had an outline here. Attitude of grace among the weak. <clears throat> verse 1, attitude of grace among the weak. Verse 2 through 3, act of grace among the weak. Verse 2 and 3, I'll read both of them. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. To restore someone can be burdensome, but it is necessary to rec for recovery. It is required for those who would follow Christ to do this. We are in the restoring business. That's what we do as Christians. We reach out and share the gospel with the lost, and we continue to restore one another. Hello. We don't mind lifting the load of someone who has had a broken heart or has made poor decisions but now wants help. That's sometimes, that's not difficult. But what I want you to see here in the passage is this person doesn't appear, it does not appear that they actually want help. It doesn't matter. That's not distinguished. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault and he wants help, did you read that in yours? When they want help, that's easier, isn't it? Oh, he's repentant. I want to help him. Man, they want to do right. Well, let's do, get on board here. Well, that's not necessarily what it's talking about. It could be. We're certainly supposed to help those who are repentant. But wait a minute. What about those who are not? Have you ever run into backsliders who were not repentant? Maybe once or twice? <laughs> Come on now. You, you run into Christians who have been overtaken in a fault and they kind of like it or they're staying there and they're not interested in getting things right? I know. Scratch your head. Are they even saved? I don't know. God knows the heart. But I know what I'm supposed to do if I claim to be spiritual. I need to have the spirit of meekness considering myself. Could be me. Because let me ask you, have you ever enjoyed your sin? If you don't nod your head yes, you are. Well, yeah, you did, or you wouldn't have sinned. So when we backslide, we typically do it on purpose. <laughs> it was an accident. No, it's typically on purpose. 
Every man is drawn away of his own lust when, uh, when, uh, when he's tempted. And so, <clears throat> this, the fact that we don't know if they want help makes it all the heavier of a burden because they might be in your household. It might be somebody you work with. It might even be a church attender. Do you know it's possible to come to church and not be right with God? I know. I know. It's hard to believe. But I've seen it happen. Matter of fact, I've probably done it. People come to church and they're all in the flesh and all of that. And it's like, well... That's kind of obvious. Well, how do you deal with that? Romans 15.1, another excellent verse. Romans 15.1, another favorite verse of mine. It says something like this. Ye that are strong. He doesn't use the word spiritual there. He says, ye that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please yourselves. It's kind of like this is a principle throughout the scriptures. Ye that are strong. Well, there's a whole lot of application to that passage because the reality is this. Some people are more physically strong than others, and they can help in in physical matters. Some people are more financially strong than others, and they can help in financial matters. Some people are more intellectually or more knowledgeable than others, and they can help in certain areas. Are you hearing me? Okay, and so God says if you do have more of something, more strength in a certain area that could be a help, then that's our duty. Remember, God gave you the strength. Now, the idea that this this individual may not be interested in getting right or repenting does not mean I'm not supposed to try to restore them. Hello? So you got a brother who claimed to be saved, but now they've drifted, and they're they're adrift. And you've paddled out there to try to help them, and they have not taken your hand. As a matter of fact, they feel like they can puppy dog it a little bit longer in the water. Doggy paddle, is that what that's called? Puppy dog it. I don't know where that came from. That's pretty close. So, um, but you're out there thinking, you're going to need to get in. And they're not interested. So what do you do? Well, they don't want help. I'm going back to shore. No, the Lord says, listen. Either spiritual restores them. Well, it's referring primarily to the people who are in your life. Hello? People who are in our lives. Because if they're not in my life, it's kind of difficult to have that personal relationship and restore them. But if they're in my life, well, I want to restore them. Bearing the burden, listen, 
What does it mean here? Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bearing the burden of their negligence. Bearing the burden of their temper. Bearing the burden of their bad attitude. Bearing the burden of their ingratitude. Bearing the burden of their sin. This is how we restore such an one in the spirit of meekness and weakness. Not weakness, but meekness. You're not doing your part. I do understand a rank of authority. Uh, Parents, if the kids are in your home, you have the authority. Hello. It's the responsibility is on you. If you're an employer and you have an employee who's uh, doing things that are detrimental to the integrity of your company, uh, that's on you. Hello. That's on you. I don't care if they call themselves Christian or not. Hello. Now, again, this does not call us to enable them in their sin, but to maintain the attitude that it could be us. Because that is most Christ-like. For that's what he did for us. Now, something else to consider. What if the fault... Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spirits will restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. What if the fault, their fault, involves wounding you? Is it possible? Is it possible they could hurt me? Absolutely. Well, your natural reaction is to get in the flesh. But how do I restore such an one? By giving them the what for. That's how. That You know that. God says, in the spirit of meekness. Matter of fact, he says it different in Romans 12. He said, uh, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord, I will repay. Recompense no man evil for evil. If your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him water. In so doing, I know this is kind of cool. They get a heap of coals over their head. That's not literal, but somehow God has a way of getting their attention. Because that's the most difficult right there, that burden right there. When you're dealing with somebody in your life who's got in the flesh, it doesn't matter how, how much they've done for the Lord, if they've got in the flesh and all of a sudden you are the, you're feeling it, it's real to you. If you want to restore them, and usually you're not even worried about restoring them. You're more worried about vengeance. But the reality is, no, 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 no. They need restored. And you can be a tool for good. God has allowed it. But you've got to be spiritual. And you can't be spiritual if you don't have a spirit of meekness. So if I don't have the understanding that that could be me, if I don't believe that I could hurt somebody, If I don't believe that I could wound somebody, if I don't believe that I could do to somebody what this somebody's done to me, well then, uh, I won't be in the spirit of meekness. Are you? This all goes together. Every verse is connected. 
And so he goes to verse 4. Let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Hey, you were spiritual until they hurt you. You were spiritual until you, you were the one who was attacked and you, got, you were the one that was neglected and, and you got lied about or, or you got slandered. Hey, it, it was, you, you could bear that burden when it was their sin on them, but now it's their sin affecting you. Oh, the coffee, friend. Prove it. Let everyone prove his own work. Let every man prove his own work. Brethren, ye that are spiritual, we can't help people. We can't help people until we went through that fire. And if you can go through that fire with the right spirit and the right attitude, God will use you to restore people. But I believe we've got to go through it to prove uh, nope, I guess I'm still in the flesh. Or, you know, I remember how good God's been to me. I remember how often he's forgiven me. I'm ready. The wound means nothing. So, one more verse. Oh, good. Hallelujah. I told my wife, I'm going to finish early tonight. I said, I'm, we're going to make it happen by God's grace. Of course. Verse 5. Uh, let every man bear his own burden. How's that read, Brother Bob? Let every man bear his own burden. So, verse 4. Uh, let every man prove his own work, then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone. And let every man bear his own burden. That's exactly it. What's that? For every man shall bear his own burden. Okay. Okay, so you, you prove to yourself that you can bear that burden. Somebody in my life has fallen. They need help. They may not be receptive to my help, but I want them to know I'm available. They may not be receptive to my help, but they're not going to get they're not going to get the old man nature. They're not going to get an angry spirit from me. They're not going to get ostracized from me. Are you hearing me? As a matter of fact, if anything, they're, they're going to see me initiate kindness. They're going to see me initiate kindness. Are you hearing me? Overcome evil with good. I think that's in the Bible. I know it's in the Bible. So, whew. I'm supposed to bear one another's burdens. There's some weight to this. I'm supposed to prove whether or not I'm spiritual or I won't be able to bear this burden. I'll be shucking it. And then, 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 
I'm told I'm supposed to bear my own burdens too. You mean I can't neglect my own duties? That's exactly what he says. You see, if it's Christ-like, you remain responsible for your own obligations along with, who can I help? How can I help? See, if anything, we're supposed to be not just looking for fault in a condemning way, but looking for people we can throw out the lifeline to. That's what we're supposed to do. I bet if you've ever fallen, somebody somewhere threw out a lifeline to you. I bet they made themselves available for you to talk to, and they let you talk. They let you talk. And maybe you were talking out of your head, but the very fact that they let you talk helped you see yourself. You ever notice that? Sometimes people really don't want to hear what you have to say. They just want to say something. And sometimes some of the best therapy we can give them is just listen. About the time you jump in to give counsel, because I, I have a natural habit. And I, I, know some, I know men can be like this. We're fixers. The wife begins to tell us her problems, and it's like, well, I see a solution right now, right now. Here's the issue, here's the issue. And they don't want that. Shut up and let them get it all out. And then once they got it all out, you're ready to give them the one, two, three. Well, do this, this, this. And they're like, no, I feel much better now. That's just... <laughs> but in some cases, men are like that. I mean, I've done enough counseling my time to where I've sat back in that seat and thought, okay, you, you, you ready for an answer? And they never were. They were never ready for an answer. When they were done talking, they were done talking. Well, can we pray? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that's what he's talking about. What's the title of this again? Grace in action? Yeah. You see, verse 5 talks about the responsibility of grace. It carries the burden even if no one will help them. And it carries their burden along with carrying the burden of others. There's so much in those five verses. That, it, that kind of Christian character will take a church and a Christian all the way to glory, bringing glory to God. Lord, may you bless the message. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your truth. May the Holy Spirit help us to be sensitive to your leadership. I pray, Father, that you'd bless this fellowship. I'm grateful for the people in this room who understand how to help people, how to encourage people, how to listen. We're all weak, and certainly we look at each other long enough, we're going to see things that we disagree with, and yet you brought us all together because of the blood, because of the book, and the blessed hope. May you bless the invitation. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Brother Brian.